Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us for yet another episode. And I'm here uh, yet again with new friends, Kelsey and Britt, Kelsey Christine, more specifically, and Britt Hyatt. Britt and Kelsey, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And you all are, um, Britt, I think you mentioned that you're calling in from two different states and yet you have a business together. So just very briefly, talk to me about where you're, you're both chiming in from. Sure. Um, I'm actually from just outside of Cleveland, Ohio, and Kelsey is in Williamsburg, Virginia. Okay, very cool. So you're now I have to find out then how did you all actually meet initially? And and I'll go ahead and give a little bit of context to this question too. You all currently run together a website called Launch Your Daydream. And we're going to be talking about branding today from a branding standpoint, from a marketing standpoint. What a brilliant, brilliant name, by the way. But how did you oh, all in, you. how did you all initially meet? So this is where the joys of the internet come into play. Um, The two of us met in a Facebook group, um, actually the Rising Tide Society, before it was as giant as it is now. Um, And it it was a little easier to, you know, connect with people in that way. Um, And we were both at points in our lives and our businesses where we knew that we wanted some change. We were ready. I was ready to rebrand the business that I had started and Britt was ready to start her own business. And she was looking for branding help and I was looking for website help. And we ended up actually swapping services and then had just really clicked and connected and um, started collaborating after that. And the rest is history. That's cool. Well, I mean, it's it's a, not a, I wouldn't say stereotypical because in some cases that carries a negative connotation, but a story um, that you hear quite a bit in entrepreneurship. And that is that, that a business came out of a need, right? And in this case, you all met each other, found that need met in the other person and the other person's services and abilities. And the rest is history, shall we say. And so we're here today and, and I'm excited to get into this conversation, we're going to be talking specifically about relationships again, which is a, it's a topic that we've covered on the podcast a number of times before. It really mm-hmm. can't be emphasized enough, um, but your specialty is branding. We're going to also touch on that here in just a bit. And, and I mentioned to you all both before we got started, I'm going to totally nerd out in that regard. I'm, I'm excited to, to go there. <laughs> we'll get to that in just a little bit. So we normally start the podcast with a question about time. And, and one of the reasons that I do this is because I want those listening in, if they only have a few minutes to listen listen to the episode to walk away with something of value. And so much of what we talk about here at the podcast has to do with time, creating time for ourselves as business owners so that you know our business doesn't take over our life, that we actually have a life at the end of the day. And so this question has to do with your technique for time, your tip for time. What is it that maybe each of you do, Britt and Kelsey both, in your day-to-day or week-to-week workflow that enables you to have a little bit more time at the end of the day, a little bit more time at the end of the week for the important people in your life or maybe just to watch Netflix. Britt, we'll start with you. <laughs> yeah, um, I would say I would say from my perspective, and, and this is actually something I have a really hard time with, is setting boundaries mm. when it comes to working with clients, specifically client work, because I think you know, it's very like, even though we're not in person with our clients, you know, a lot of 
our interaction is either through email or just like feedback and things like that. So I think, you know, having that mindset and setting some some guidelines of when we respond back to emails and, and you know, things like that, just to kind of make sure that our clients understand that too. Sure. That, you know, it just makes life a little bit easier that you don't always feel like you're on all so the time. Make that tangible for me. What is, do you have a particular cutoff time at the, at the end of the day? Do you use only particular messaging applications? What is, what are those boundaries look like if you don't mind? Yeah, no. So we actually, um, we have our office hours in our signature. So we have them as, um, I believe they're nine to four in our email signature. So every correspondence that we have with our clients, they can at least see that. Um, And then we also have, please allow 24 hours for response time. So at least we have that covered up front in the event that, you know, when we have our, our calls with our clients that they you know, maybe they, they don't remember that or anything like that, but just a, a continuous reminder for them. And then we also have, um, we use Dubsado for our client experience as yeah. well. So when we communicate with our clients, um, you know, if it's something that's after hours, we try to do like a delayed response. So it sends out automatically the next morning. Okay, cool. And you know, it's something that needs to be mentioned here. I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I think that we as artist types who in many cases tend to be in our heads a lot, there's, there's a tendency that we have to overthink what the client might be thinking if we don't right. respond immediately, <laughs> right? We get in our head and we just oh, overthink yes. that and we can obsess over it and then it becomes a problem. And so that's what leads to us picking up that phone at dinner or picking up the phone in the middle of hanging out with friends or whatever it is in order to make sure that we're responding and we're on top of those things. Listen, we started businesses for ourselves in the first place for the sake of freedom, for the sake of flexibility, to be our own boss. And the idea that we then let that very business run our lives is, I mean, it's problematic just because it goes totally against why we started the business in the first place. And so um, let's let's all, for those of you listening in, consider this idea of boundaries. It's a simple idea, but it's an important one. And you have to actually be consistent with it. But I think this is a great way to start off. Britt, Kelsey, what about you? Yeah, for me, I would say it's less about creating time and more about focusing on using the time that I have dedicated to my business wisely. Mm. I've definitely, I've definitely not done that (laughs) in the past. And when I realize this and take a step back and look at, okay, what am I doing? Why am I getting distracted so much and wasting time during the day, which then, you know, makes me end up working later and, and losing that free time. So something that Britt and I have actually started doing recently in the last, I don't know, a few months or so is having a more structured schedule to our days and our weeks. So what that means is we've kind of put um, categories on every day of the week and dedicated the time. So for instance, Tuesdays and Thursdays are for calls and um, Wednesday, we focus only on internal business and then all of the leftover time is for client work. So that's really helped me know what I'm going to focus on that day. And at the beginning of every week, we also have a meeting where we discuss our tasks for the week and then sort of assign them to different days and times. So when I go into my office in the morning, rather than going, all right, what am I going to do today? I already know what I have to do so I can just do it and get it done. And it helps me focus a little bit more. So then I'm, you know, I'm not wasting time trying to figure out what to do next and getting lost in all of that. Yeah. You know, this actually reminds me of a conversation that I had with both of you before we started recording. For those of you listening in, especially those that listen regularly, you might've guessed that I send some questions ahead of time to the guests that I have on. And what I explained to Britt and Kelsey before, 
started was I don't do that for the sake of causing everyone to be robotic in nature. I mean, this is supposed to be a conversation. I genuinely love to have conversation with those from our industry. And I think it's a fun opportunity to get to know people, to learn from each other. There's no reason that it needs to be robotic. But what one of the, the main benefits of this outline of questions that I sent you all ahead of time is that it gives you an idea of the direction that we're going to go. Mm-hmm. And that that similar notion, I think, applies to implementing structure systems. And even in this case, as you mentioned, Kelsey, a loose structure or schedule, rather, to your week that kind of guides you through. So instead of kind of haphazardly just reacting to everything that is coming in, you're deciding ahead of time on these days, this is how I'm going to spend my time. And it, and it, you know, there's not this idea of structure and creativity or structure and freedom. They're not mutually exclusive. Right. I, I can assure everyone listening in. I mean, I, I was I actually wrote a bio the other day for uh, somebody who I was doing a podcast interview with. And instead of the typical, you know, this is how I got started in photography. And this is when I started photographers edit. I mentioned that I've been skydiving twice, hang gliding once, and I've ridden a motorcycle down uh, a track at, a, you know, 160 miles an hour. Um, oh, there, there are plenty of people that, that are out there that can implement structure and simultaneously have fun. There's no reason that structure and fun are mutually exclusive. And I have to emphasize that because we talk a lot about this idea of structure and systems on the, on the podcast. You can have both. You can have fun. Yes. You can have systems. And the cool thing is those systems, that structure, the schedule, as you, you alluded to, Kelsey, actually enable us to have freedom and flexibility at the end of the day, at the end of the week, so that our business doesn't run our life. So this is a great way to start off. Uh, I really appreciate you both sharing. And we're going to continue to dig into this a little bit. I am curious, actually, how both of you like to spend your free time. We're talking about creating time. How do you like to spend some of that free time? Britt, I'll go back to you. Yeah. Um, so I actually, I have a five-year-old, so most of my free time is, is trying to, you know, keep him entertained in as many ways as possible, um, until he gets tired of me. I totally Um, get it. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we're, we're very fortunate. We're very close to our family. So we try to spend as much time with my son's grandparents and aunts and cousins because he is an only child. So we like to, you know, just keep him interacting with everybody. I'm also, I'm, I'm a, I'm kind of a workaholic from from my perspective because my website design stuff started out as a hobby. So like it started when I was like 14 or 15 in high school and I started learning coding and stuff like that. And I thought it was so cool. And so it eventually turned from a hobby into like a part time gig into like my full time business. So I feel like I'm always I'm constantly trying to find new ways to learn, whether it's from like a design perspective or now like running a business from like a business perspective. So trying to find the balance with all that, but I'm, I'm a, I'm a, like a sponge. I, I like learning all the time and making sure that I, I, I try to keep learning. I, I'm very much with you, Britt. I, there's something uh, that is, I don't know. I, I, I have a, I know that I have a tendency to kind of go to extremes with things. And, and when it comes to learning, I just enjoy just consuming tons and tons of yeah. content. I was just talking about this in a recent episode. I think there's a there's a balance to be had, and it's going to look different for different people between the consumption of content because we have it so readily available these days, and then the actual application of it. Like, what are we doing with the stuff that we're taking in? Because you know, you hear people talk about they've they've read fifty books in a year, a hundred books in a year. That's right. great, and and I'm a hundred ten percent in favor of of reading. I've I've got a Kindle right next to my bed. I'm, I'm a huge fan. I've learned so much that way. But then the question is, what are we actually doing with it? 
Um, but it, that said, I, I can very much relate to you on that idea. I, I mix my my content consumption and learning between reading blogs from from various sources and also reading business books and self help books, and I mix in a little bit of fiction as well. But I, I love that, and I think it's great to take advantage of that. But then also making sure that that in that process and in in the process of running a business and our maybe our tendency to just maybe we in, just enjoy our our work so much it's easy to get lost in it. That's a great place to be. But Absolutely. you alluded, Britt, to the significance of that time with your five-year-old, and, and we can't lose sight of the reality, which is that relationships are really kind of everything at the end of the day. You know, we, we may all hold different beliefs, and we do different types of work, and, and they're different. we all have different interests, but relationships are something that we all hold in common. So if we're not creating time and space for those at the end of the day, we're missing out. I love that you, that you emphasize that, and that's great. Kelsey, how do you like to spend your free time? So mine's a little bit different. Um, No kids over here yet. Uh, My husband and I have have been married for a little over a year. So we're still enjoying that part of life. Yeah. Um, And figuring it out too, right? Yes, exactly. And um, I will say, so we own our first home right now and I have become quite a homebody (laughs) because of that. But, you know, I love, I love a good Netflix binge, um, but I also love doing pretty much anything creative. Like, of course I am obviously a creative, but I like kind of exploring other, other creative uh, realms. And so whether that's, I mean, recently I've started um, learning how to make my own bread and pasta from scratch. And, and, and that Whoa. is an art, that's an art in itself. And it's really therapeutic for me. Yeah. I also like to explore different mediums of art. So painting sometimes um, I've recently been diving into using my iPad pro a lot more and using the cool apps on there to, to create art digitally, which I mean, in turn will, will help my work as well. Yes. I can, I can definitely, I can relate to you and Brit in the way of always wanting to learn and absorb new things. But for me, it's less of, of reading blogs and books and more of just like going in and trying new things creatively. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that, that really makes me happy. And it's a way that I like to spend my free time. So I have a very quick question. I don't want to get too distracted by, by this topic, but you Mm -hmm. mentioned the, the iPad pro and doing artwork on the iPad pro. One of the things that I've been considering doing lately into our, to our conversation, Britt, um, regarding the consumption of content and then the actual application of the content, I want to make sure that when I am reading, for example, that I'm actually taking that information thinking through it in a way that I remember it and then can do something with it. And one of the ways that I'm considering doing that is mind mapping, kind of note taking, but in in a more kind of image centric way, if you will. But I don't, I have a tendency to, to want to do that digitally just because I, that means that I can then have access to that, to those notes, any and everywhere. I use Evernote. I've got over 11,000 documents in Evernote. I've been using it for years and my that's that's where I lean. So I'm curious, what has that experience been like, whether it's doing artwork or maybe even note taking on the iPad Pro? Do you find that different than actually using a physical notebook? Yeah, it is. And it's it's tough for me because I am very tactile and still lean toward like every time I try a new digital, like right now we're using Asana to stay organized, but I, we have everything in Asana yet. I still have to write it in like two other places. So I'm a little crazy in that way, but it is, it is really beneficial in being able to do things like that. And my favorite part about it is kind of the multitasking in a way, like I can have a tutorial or something open on half the screen and then be practicing on the other half of the screen. So for you, I could see you having, you know, whatever you're reading open and then also having your notes open and can be kind of simultaneously doing both of those things. So it's, I mean, it's really great in, in so many ways and I'm still, 
I'm still learning and, and experiencing it. I, it's kind of new to me still. So, um, yeah, it's been great so far though. I definitely recommend it. Well, that's really cool. Well, and, and, um, one of the things that I've heard, actually, you talked about the tactile experience. Apparently there is some type of a, um, a screen cover that you can put on that will, that will cause the screen to feel like paper. I guess it has a texture on the screen cover that when you actually write on it, it makes it feel like paper. So I, and I wish I could link you specifically to resource. I I just heard this the other day and um, maybe we can find that link to it in the show notes, but it sounds like a pretty cool little tool. So yeah, that sounds awesome. This conversation has been fun and interesting and I want to keep moving because we have a lot of information to cover here. But one, one of the questions that I've begun asking our guests recently has to do with being centered or present, being more focused Uh, This is something that I've become more aware of as of late. And honestly, most probably, if not all these questions are a reflection of what I have learned or I'm learning. Um, But what is a way, and Kelsey, I'll start with you this time. What is a way that you've learned to be a bit more centered, a bit more focused and present? It's easy to get distracted with all the noise these days. How do you go about that? So this is an interesting question. I, I personally feel like for me, being focused and being present are sort of different. Like there's a, there's a line between them because I really, really struggle with being present. It's something I'm constantly trying to work on, uh, for myself. Um, someone recommended the book, um, the power of now for that purpose, but I, I haven't actually read it yet. I do have it, but, um, I have an issue with like buying books and then forgetting to read them. So, um, (laughs) I have a massive collection of my Kindle. I get it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I, don't know that I could say I'm like fully able to, you know, be in that present moment all the time. It takes, it takes a lot of work. I have tried meditation, which, which helps me, um, in a physical way, but as far as focusing when it comes to work and stuff, I, I feel like that's a different experience. I don't know if that's, if that's just me, but sometimes I get really focused on my work and it's more of like being in that flow. You know what I mean? Where I don't know that I'm necessarily, present and everything, but I'm just like in the flow and I'm, and I'm doing my work. And sometimes my, my, my mind is still going and thinking about other things, but because my, my work is creative and I don't have to, you know, think about, I'm not like writing words or, or code or doing numbers or anything like that. I can kind of, I don't know, my mind kind of can go to a different place, but I'm still moving. It's very, it's very interesting. I don't even know if I really answered that, but I, my, basically, I don't know that I've really figured it out yet. Um, and it's something that I'm, I'm working on. So I'm, I'm open to any suggestions. Oh, no, I I love your openness and honesty there. Um, A couple of things. First of all, I'm, I'm thinking about a book called the rise of Superman. Um, okay. That talks about the way that that humans work in kind of an an ultimate. Um, actually, there's there's a movie. Oh, this is going to be really bad for for podcasting, and and I can't think of the name of the movie right off the top of my head. It's it's this guy who takes a pill and he becomes kind of the ultimate version of himself. Oh, uh, limitless. Limitless. Yes. Yeah. So it's this kind of a it. it really gets into the science of what it means to work in the state of flow. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we'll make sure to link to this book in, in the uh, show notes. But when you, when you talked about this idea of flow, it reminded me of that book. It's a book that, that I have read in the past. But the other book, and, and one that uh, our, our regular listeners have heard me talk about before that this conversation also reminds me of, is one called The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. And for, for anyone who struggles with the idea of being present because that that voice inside your head's going a million miles a minute and there's so many different things to keep up with um that is an incredible incredible book 
I cannot recommend it enough. In fact, I may need to send you a copy of it as well, Kelsey, because it's it's extremely <laughs> inspirational. It was really, really good for me as well. And it's one of those books that was so good. Actually, I have a 16 and a 13-year-old. And I, I'm actually, my son just turned 17. So 17 and 13 year old that I said, you know what, I'm, I want to read this to you guys as well, because the, the principles mm-hmm. in that book are really, really powerful. It deals with meditation. It deals with this idea of being present. And of course, those oh, wow. really, those two go together. So I can't recommend that, that book enough. It's really, really good. But I, I hear you, there's something about, and, and it's, it'd be really fun actually, if you at some point kind of nailed down what it is that enables you to be in that flow state. Um, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, a combination of music and maybe just a, a spark of caffeine from the coffee and then you're in a particular oh, yeah. environment or whatever it might be. But if I know what it means to, to be in that state, it feels really, really good. And, yeah. uh, and, and I, but I, I would highly recommend that book. It's really, really good. Britt, tell, tell us a little bit about what you've learned about this process. Yeah, I would say from a high level perspective, there's a quote that I try to like replay over and over in my head. It's, if you're depressed, you're living in the past. If you're anxious, you're living in the future. If you're at peace, you're living in the present. Ooh. So I try to tap into some of those things. Like if I'm just feeling like, ugh, like when, when we start work for the day, yeah. like why, why am I feeling this way? And usually I can tap into it. It's either I'm anxious about something that we have planned or maybe something that we don't have planned that suddenly came up or um, maybe something didn't go as planned and I'm still just kind of lingering on that a little bit. So like figuring out and like what that is and, and trying to let that go or at least identify it and go, yeah, that's, that's why I'm feeling this way for, you know, for whatever reason. Um, So I would say that from a a high level perspective. And then I would say more recently, my schedule um, changed a little bit. Um, My, my kindergartner, now kindergartner, he um, he used to go to daycare and he would be at daycare from 7.30 in the morning until my husband came home at five o'clock at night. So it's you know a long day, four days a week for him. Wow. And now that he's in kindergarten, now I'm five days a week, but I have shorter days. So I only have five hour days now. So I feel like yeah, I really struggled with that at first. You can ask Kelsey, like there's like, I, I thrive on structure. Mm. Like I, I like structure. I like you know, as much as I can structure things and have a routine, I feel that much more present and that much more focused on kind of the day-to-day stuff. So once we started finding our flow and it took us a good couple of weeks, but once we started finding that flow, I feel like I've started to focus my day-to-day tasks even more knowing that like, I have to get this done at the end of the day. I have to, I have to find my focus. I have to get centered and just just get it done at the end of the day. And that will make me feel better. Cross fingers so far. So good. <laughs> so far so good. But I have to go back to that quote though. Wait, will you say that quote one more time? Cause this is really, yeah. really powerful. Yeah. So it's, um, if you are depressed, you're living in the past. Okay. If you're anxious, you're living in the future. If you're at peace, you are living in the present. Mm, that's really yeah. good. And I think it it's honestly, really I mean, I can like, I can say, I can't even tell you how many times there's been like, you know, like Kelsey and I've started our work day or we've started the week and I'm like, oh gosh, I'm like, like you just like your shoulders feel a little bit heavy and you're like, gosh, like why do I not feel excited about going into all this? And then her and I will have a chat in the beginning of the week and I'll be like, yeah, that's why. Okay. Like it just makes it that much easier to continue planning the rest of the week or, you know, future projects and things like that, because I know what kind of those triggers are and, you know, what kind of things in the past that I might be like, gosh, like I'm so bummed that that didn't work out in the way that I thought it would. But then there's like the anxiety of the future too, of like, oh gosh, I hope this goes as planned when really that's not, it's only in my control so much. 
It's so true. Wow. I, I would love to kind of park here because again, really, I mean, we could do probably a whole episode on this idea because, right? you know, we hear, I mean, in, in these days in, in our culture and, and certainly in the photography industry, we hear a lot about depression and anxiety. And um, mm-hmm. I, I think just this quote, if people were to actually, if our listeners were to take it to heart and, and just sit for 20 minutes and consider what that actually means for their life and how that could translate day to day. It right. would be extremely, extremely powerful. I love that. And, and yeah. wow. Okay. We'll, we'll leave it as it is because it, it is extremely powerful. Thank you for sharing that, Britt. Sure. And um, let's jump to the next question. We talked about books just briefly. What's one of the most impactful books that each of you, each of you uh, have read? We'll start with you this time, Britt. Yeah, um, I would say it's actually one I'm reading right now. I'm not all the way through it. It was just recommended by a photographer friend of ours um, that we did a video chat with last week, but I picked it up this weekend and I haven't been able to put it down. Um, It's called Girl Code. So it's actually, she's a a business owner. She was a blogger um, and now she's more of like a a business coach, like a life coach. And she works with these business owners to really kind of change their mindset and, and, you know, give them permission essentially to make sure that they know that there's no boundaries in what they're, they're capable of. So, you know, like letting yourself take a minute and imagine your life, you know, some of the things I identified as like, I would love to live debt free, I would love to pay cash for things like that kind of stuff, you know, can weigh heavy on me, especially, you know, especially as a, as a homeowner and a mom and things like that. Like I, you know, there's some things that I'm like, there's, there's, it's crazy to me that three, four, five years ago, I was sitting at, my nine to five job, completely miserable going, there's no way we're going to pay any of this stuff off. Mm. Or there's no way that I'm ever going to be able to take a business full time. Like, what does that even mean? So like some of the stuff I've heard time and time again, that I've been reading in the book, but it's just a different, I think it's a different perspective that I'm reading it in now. You know, there's, uh, this is something that we, again, we talk about quite a bit on the podcast, but it bears mentioning again, that you have those particular things that you want and I think a lot of business owners, photography business owners in particular, um, kind of, again, haphazardly run their business with no real goals in mind. I mean, they, they love the idea of being a photographer and having their own business. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that, certainly. But if you don't have a particular direction, um, what we call here at the, at the podcast, a big picture view that yeah. drives what you do on a day-to-day basis, it can feel meaningless at times. It can feel certainly haphazard. You're just kind of reacting to everything coming in. But if you have those particular goals in mind, it can drive what you do day-to-day. It helps you run a more efficient business. It gives you right. direction. I think that's really powerful. And certainly there's no reason to, to minimize the possibilities. I mean, we can pretty yeah. much do anything we set our mind to. As, as cliche as that may sound, it, it's true. We're lucky enough to live in a society where that's true. And we should certainly take advantage, but we'll make sure to link to that book in the show notes. Kelsey, what about you? So the first one that popped into my mind when you asked that question is, uh, you are a badass at making money. Yeah. Um, I recently read that one and I, it really stands out to me because I mean, it's, it's a self-help book. Um, and it, it changed my mindset about money. So she dives a lot into the mindset of things and your relationship with money and how you think of it. It's not a bad thing. It's not a dirty thing. It's, it's a positive thing. And um, another thing that I really loved about that book specifically is that it has activities and mantras for every chapter. And for me, personally, I really like interactive books because it's so much easier for me to apply what I'm learning to my life when there's actual, you know, next steps for me at the end of each chapter. So I I really love books like that. So I really recommend that to anybody who's kind of struggling with the mindset around money and even just like how to meet those financial goals. 
Yeah, you know, there is there is something about business books that I think in many cases, really, probably 80% of it is fluff. And mm-hmm. and you so badly want to, to walk away with something practical from it. So I love that that book actually makes it practical consistently yes. throughout the book. That's great. I know that we've had at least one guest mention that book on the podcast before as well. And they said a very similar thing. It helped change the minds, their mindset about money. It's almost like they give them permission to, to be okay with the idea of not only just making enough money to get by, but actually to, to be truly successful and that right. that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And it's interesting how our culture has kind of shaped our, our perspective on money, but mm-hmm. I, I love that that has, is helping shift it. And so we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. Let's kind of shift in the direction of, of your business. It's by the way, you all are, are quite rare in that we rarely have um, those on the podcast, guests on the podcast who are not photographers. So I love to mix it up a little bit like this. And uh, you certainly stand out. I love that. We're going to be talking about relationships and branding. And your business is is centered around just that. As you mentioned earlier, websites and custom websites and branding for photography businesses. How long have you been in this business? And tell us a little bit about how you got started. So Launcher Daydream, the two of us owning this business together, has been since August of 2017. So it's just a little bit over a year old. But our story, of course, goes further back than that. So me, I'm the the brand strategy and brand design side of Launcher Daydream. um, And I've been sort of in that arena for about five years now, ever since I graduated college. When I first graduated, though, I I had this goal to become an art director for an ad agency. And I, I had this plan and I was on I was on track. But after about a year in that industry, I, I just realized it wasn't it wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't where my heart was at. It's not really what I thought, you know, I thought I wanted it, but I didn't in the end. So um, I ended up dabbling in a few different roles, but all were kind of still along the same track. I've always been creative and I always knew I wanted to work with brands in some way. And it wasn't until I was living in San Diego um, where I just, I felt like I was one of those like right place, right time things. I met so many amazing people who told me that I could start a business if I wanted to. That was never, never an option in my mind. I didn't realize I could just do my own thing. So I got really inspired out there and I made the leap in in 2015 to just kind of start freelancing with anything I knew how to do. Um, And then so after after making the leap and becoming a business owner, I rebranded in less than like six months after that. And that's how I, that's around the time I connected with Britt initially she helped me with that website and i was i was starting to hone in on the actual type of work i wanted to do and mm. that's i got to do that for her so um so yeah we've actually been collaborating for about 3 years now mm-hmm. um but this business it, itself has is just a little over a year old wow okay cool and then Britt, talk to us a little bit about how you got into website design and development i know you alluded to it briefly earlier but give us give us the juicy details yeah, sure. Oh, I don't know how juicy it is. It's kind of, kind of nerd, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll run with it. Um, I've actually, I've been doing website design since I was in high school. So about 15, 16 years now, a lot of late nights coding in my parents, you know, living room. So that was, you know, got through college doing that. But yeah. um, I actually, I majored in college in web content development okay. and that ended up going back for a communications degree just to make sure that I understood the business side of things and making sure I could, you know, communicate with people if effectively as well. So I um, got those two degrees. I actually started climbing the corporate ladder myself at an insurance company where I met my husband. And then I moved down to a small business here in downtown Cleveland as a project manager, you know, really started tapping more into kind of the communication side of things. And, 
And I almost felt like I was losing the tech side a little bit too much, even though it was a software company. But, you know, after becoming a mom, I was like, you know what, like, I I need to see this kid more than a half hour a day. And (laughs) that's not it's not okay with me to only see him a little, you know, a little bit of time in the morning and a little bit of time before bed. So I, I connected with Kelsey when I was actually on a business trip traveling for my previous job. And it we just we made it happen. And we started, um, we, that's when we ended up swapping services. And I started learning a lot more about the branding side of things versus just the website side of things and how they can uh, kind of really marry themselves together. And we started working with creative business owners, you know, once her and I both launched our businesses, and we started slowly niching down, we started going into like the wedding industry creatives. And then just this last October, we just said, you know what, our, our best projects um, that we've worked on together have been with photographers. And we love learning about the photography industry. It's something we always gravitate towards, like whenever we get a an inquiry on our website, and it's from a photographer, we just immediately like the excitement you know, it hits the roof. So we, we decided it was time to, to niche down and focus on working with photographers. And that's where we're at today. That's awesome. It's a, it's certainly a wonderful industry and, you know, in, in many ways, kind of a, a small, and I'll put in the word small in quotes, air quotes here, but um, it's small industry. And because of that very tight knit and, and honestly, it's, it's in some ways easy to start a business in a more niche industry. I mean, this is ultimately a broad industry. If you, if you look internationally in particular, um, but it's a very well-connected industry, and if you position yourself well and you offer wonderful service and you you have great personalities to boot, and that's certainly the case I, I've, I've learned already, you're going to be in a great place. And, and we're going to actually, we're going to make this, your expertise, both in, in website design and in branding, more practical here in just a second. But I am curious, in your your experience as business owners so far, maybe you both have advice here, or maybe you, you, you have a collaborative effort, but... If you had 15 seconds to give a piece of advice to a, a, a fellow photographer, just business owner, what would that advice be? Maybe maybe something that you've learned in business thus far. I would say for photographers specifically, figure out what you want to specialize in and embrace that. And when I say that, I mean not only the type of photography, but your editing style, the specific types of clients you want to serve, and that unique client experience that you want to create. Mm. Um, Niching down is something that we educate on all the time because it's so important to not only set you apart from your competitors, but also helping you establish a really strong brand image. Now, I I have a follow-up question to that, and we are going to touch on the idea of brand position here in just a second, but when it comes to photographic style and editing style, I'm actually really curious about your perspective, Kelsey, from kind of the outside, if you will, since you're not naturally a photographer Mm-hmm. How much does the, the so-called photographic style or editing style play a role in helping set the photographer apart? For example, can you, as uh, as a non-photographer, look at someone's work? I mean, maybe you can now that you've been in the photo industry for a little while, but can you look at their work and truly tell a major, major difference between each photographer? Or is that more of a nuanced thing that photographers notice? I mean, I I think I can. I see a lot of very different, uh, you know, whether it's the the dark and moody editing style or the light and airy, or we have some that like will have like more of a warm, you know, like more of like orangey or pinks. Like I, I do see a difference in a lot of, in a lot of our photographers editing styles. I would say that where it really comes into play with your brand is just making it really strong and consistent. And Mm. I mean, more so we talk about it in, in the aspect of, you want to attract your dream clients. And so you want 
you want to put out there what your clients are going to get. We've had some people come to us and say, I'm confused. I do all these different types of, sometimes I'm dark and moody, sometimes I'm light and airy. And um, that could really confuse your potential clients. If somebody sees an image that they like of yours and that's why they want to book you, you want to make sure that they're getting that and not something different. So that's where it really comes into play from a brand position perspective. But I do think that I can see a difference. I don't know if it's because I'm a creative also. Sure. You know, other people might not notice it as much, but yeah. Well, I like the fact that you emphasize consistency. That is important. Certainly mm-hmm. putting out there what you actually want to offer because it can be confusing for everyone involved, both the, the photographer and the client, if there isn't right. consistency there. But then you also mentioned the experience and that's something that I don't think can be emphasized enough because mm-hmm. the reality at the end of the day is that there are thousands and thousands of photographers just in the US, much less or much more the world, I should say. And there, there are many photographers who share photographic styles who are using the same Lightroom presets or Photoshop actions. And so there are, there are similarities in editing style or photographic style. Many photographers are taking cues from other photographers. So you see similarities. But at the end of the day, the experience that we create, which is really the whole package, right? It's, it is the images that, that go on the website. It is the branding associated with the business. It is the actual interaction with the client. It is the service that we provide, um, that the turnaround time that, that is associated with, with delivering the product. All of those things play to the experience, and it's so, so important that that experience is a positive one, and we have the opportunity to make it unique in different ways. And again, that's another topic for another episode, but I love that you mentioned that. Britt, what would your 15-second piece of advice be for uh, a fellow business owner, maybe even a photographer? Yeah, I would say niche is obviously what Kelsey mentioned. That's usually number one on our list. I would say a close second, if not sometimes first, is leaning on um, and building relationships in whether it's in your industry or with other creatives, because for a lot of different reasons, actually, but building those relationships to make sure that you don't feel alone as a business owner, um, as running your business sometimes, because we all run, run into problems. We all run into unforeseen issues and circumstances. And sometimes it's just good to be able to bounce some of those ideas off of people or some of those issues off of people rather than posting it on a random Facebook group without a lot of background and, you know, getting perspectives from everybody, which can actually make things even worse. So I would say lean on relationships, especially ones that, you know, that you can build and trust. And some of those conversations are kept between you too. Well, and it's much easier to do that when you actually have conversation in person. And we talk about this a lot on the podcast, but my goodness, get off the couch and out of your desk and out of your house in your room and go meet with somebody, make the effort, um, you know, to drive 15, 20 minutes or half hour, an hour for that matter, and, and go connect with somebody else in your industry for an hour, two hours or five for that matter, and, and have real conversation in person, looking at the other person, engage with them. And, and hopefully there's an opportunity to go deep as well and be able to share and maybe unload some of the struggles as a business owner, as a photographer that you might have. That's great, great advice. And, and again, can't be stressed enough. Let's talk about brand position. Now, this is a question that I asked quite a bit on the podcast, have been for a while now, and honestly, there's been a lot of confusion. I've even linked to a definition on Wikipedia uh, in the past when I've sent the outline to our guests, and there still seems to be confusion about what this idea actually means. And so, Kelsey, I'm going to let you tackle this one first, but Britt, I want your perspective on this from a website design standpoint as well. 
what is, uh, first of all, your brand position, your business, uh, launch your daydream. In fact, I, I'm, I'm totally setting you up for this because your brand position is so very clearly and wonderfully defined on the very front of your homepage. Um, but oh. go ahead, go ahead and share your brand position and then let's get into what an actual brand position is. Okay, cool. So um, I will preface this with, I I think our brand position is often shifting and growing with us and our business, which I just want to put out there is totally normal. Um, You don't have to establish a brand position and then stick with it forever. Things change, you learn as you go and you grow with your business. But right now we've positioned ourselves as the go-to virtual branding studio for photographers. And uh, I would say what sets us apart from from our competitors and other designers and branding studios um, is one, our unique focus on photographers. I mean, just now that we've niched down, we only work with photographers. That's really unique in the, in the design industry. Also our partnership, the fact that you get two of us instead of just one um, and what we can each bring to the table. But in addition to us, we also have a dream team, as we call them. Um, and so that's another thing that sets us apart. Um, they all have expert, unique offerings that, you know, a general designer couldn't contribute on on their own. And then finally, I think also just our brand aesthetic and voice in itself is pretty unique from what you see most of the time out there. We're really bold, fun, laid back vibes. I, I think it, it, it just kind of stands out generally from from what you typically see from other designers out there it does stand out i love the uh the, the color palette that you're using on your website and by the way for those of you listening in make sure that you check out launchyourdaydream.com it's just like it sounds same thing on instagram as well so check that out but i'm gonna actually i'm gonna promote your company even more because i actually if if we go to your homepage. The way that, I mean, what, what you just shared, Kelsey, took maybe about 60 seconds or so. Um, what you've got on your homepage is even more succinct and more direct. And, and I love the combination. I want to break it down here just a little bit. It just says, launch your daydream is a virtual branding studio that helps you gain confidence and clarity in your photography brand and website so that you can fill your calendar with bookings, bookings, and more bookings. So you've, you've established the service that you offer. And then you give the value proposition to the person who's about to to book you. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, a photographer can listen to a podcast and and even hire a branding or website consultant and gain a lot of information and potentially help. But it doesn't really matter if they're not actually booking clients. Mm -hmm. So you've, you've gotten really specific about the service that you offer. But at the end, the value that you're adding to the photographer is confidence. It is clarity and a beautiful website, but that translates to bookings. And I, so I love the way that you've, you've kind of put this, or packaged it really in a very, very succinct way. And um, this is this actually clearly, it's, it's almost a combination of mission statement and brand position. It very clearly defines what service it is that you offer, but it, it, it includes a value proposition, which is really, really important. Let's talk about brand position though. How would you actually, Kelsey, how would you define brand position? And then Britt, I'm going to get to you because I, I want to, to carry this over to the content of a website and how it should reflect that brand position. Yeah. Um, so first of all, I just want to say thank you for the kind words about our website. And I will say shout out to our business coach. We worked with a business coach named Nevika Vasquez, and uh, she is really Amazing. behind why we were able to do that. We have gone, we have updated our website copy so many times throughout the past few years. And um, she really helped us like get get it out there. Like if we knew what we wanted to say, but we couldn't put the words together. So yeah, I highly recommend like working with a copywriter or business coach. That's something 
you struggle with. Um, but anyway, back to brand positioning. So I would, I would to try to make this easy. I would define it as, I mean, it's basically, you know, where you position yourself in the market among other competitors. So, um, that's why I, you know, just naturally listed off what I think makes us unique and stand out from competitors yes. is because it's where you're positioning yourself uniquely. Like there's plenty of online brand and website businesses out there. Um, but what is it that's really specific about ours that puts us in a, in our own little spot on the map. So I remember like back in college, there'd be like this little graph map sort of thing. And, and there would be like the different axes and like where you would place yourself. So it's like, imagine, imagine there being like this map of, well, I guess if we're talking to photographers, this map of photographers and like, where is your special little spot on the map that only you have because of those specific things that make you unique? I don't know. I guess I'm more of a visual person. I'm like, envisioning this map right now. No, but, it's good. Um, I mean, we're talking to photographers, so we're I think we're all kind of visual people in, in one form or yeah, another. But it, there is a, a difference between a brand. And I actually, I had the opportunity to go to your website and download the freebie about branding. And you define a brand as the entire, as the entire experience that your clients mm -hmm. have when working with you. That's wonderful. And again, yes. kind of focusing on that idea of experience, the significance of experience. The position, as you're saying, Kelsey, is very simply what how you actually position your brand against your competition, the so-called competition right. in your market, what actually makes you different. I think what where photographers sometimes struggle with this is is maybe even self-awareness and honesty with themselves about what is actually different about right. their business mm -hmm. from other businesses. And then, you know, it, it shouldn't stop there. And th that may be become a little bit depressing if you're actually honest with yourself and realize, you know what, I am a wedding photographer just like all these other people. I'm a wedding photographer who focuses on, you know, offering, uh, who focuses on developing great personal relationships, just like, you know, hundreds of other photographers in the area. And, and you can go down the list. It could be a little bit depressing, but that's actually an opportunity then to figure out what you can do to add to your experience that right. is truly different. It may be difficult with thousands of photographers in just the U.S. again to to create a truly unique style of photography. It's it's still possible. It may be difficult to create a truly unique editing style. Potentially possible still, but where you can differentiate is with the experience and actually also with the service. And one of the examples that I've given uh, in the past would be something like you know wedding photography, black and white wedding photography for young skater couples, for example. Mm -hmm. This is getting really, really specific. Now you're actually going after a niche market and all your, your, your branding, your marketing efforts can very easily be geared specifically to that target market. And you're mm -hmm. truly going to set yourself apart. Just saying I'm a wedding photographer who focuses on relationships or I'm a wedding photographer who um, likes to, you know, who, who is uh, fun and peppy and, and uh, has a great vibe about them or something like this is not truly going to set yourself apart because there are a lot of people that are doing those things. So I like the simplicity of your definition. I think something else that you mentioned is also important. And Britt, I'm coming to you, I promise. Uh, no, but, you're good. <laughs> but, but Kelsey, you mentioned uh, the, the reality, which is that your brand position can change. Mm -hmm. And I think this is an interesting point of conversation because it's true. Um, and I think this is not only true because, you know, the reality is that we as human beings change and maybe our business in one form or another is going to be a reflection of that. But I think it's also important, again, just logically to look at our market. Is there something happening in the market which necessitates change on our part with that brand position? And I'll give a very tangible, practical example here with Photographer's Edit. And I started Photographer's Edit. We're a post-production company, an image editing company uh, for wedding and portrait photographers. When we started, I started 
again, trying to position ourselves against the market at the time, the market, uh, there were only two or three or so other companies that were doing this back in 2008. And it was a complicated process and it was an expensive process. So my goal was to bring the price point down and offer a really clean, simple experience for the photographer. And we, we ran with that for a number of years. We grew and did quite well with it. But back in 2014 or so, the market shifted and it went to focusing on this trend developed, which was offering a monthly pricing schedule or or an annual subscription service. And this offered cheap editing services to the industry, which, you know, I mean, initially the idea is great from a business standpoint, you're thinking you can, from a photographer standpoint, rather, you you can afford now to send, you know, tons and tons of images in for post-production work. Uh, from a business model perspective, it's a whole different conversation, but that was the direction the industry was shifting. And so we had an opportunity then to pivot our brand, whereas we had been focusing on just classic post-production instead of all the bells and whistles and complications and potential cost associated with that approach, we'd focused on simple classic post-production. We actually pivoted at that point and went kind of the opposite to custom post-production. And we did that not just because it's how we were feeling in the moment, but we saw what was happening, the shift in the marketplace, and we saw an opportunity to position ourselves against our competition and to shift our brand position and the associated messaging to very distinct to, to distinguish ourselves against the competition. And so I think that's a more practical kind of logical and, and tangible way that that there are opportunities to shift our brand position in the market. And I just wanted to mention that um, because it, it was an interesting point. It should should be mentioned. But Britt, what does this look like when we're talking about brand position? How do we actually and, and effectively communicate a brand position on a website? And I know that's I'm, I'm as I'm saying it, I'm realizing it, it's a loaded question question. But, but maybe you could just give us a couple of really tangible tips before we get into this conversation about relationships. You know, what's funny is like, as you were both explaining everything, I thought of about 20 different examples of, of clients of ours that we've worked with of like, oh, yeah, that was really cool when that person did that, you know, in regards to their brand position, or, you know, separate from that, their mission statement, and like niching down and how it all kind of works together. But yeah. I would say from a website perspective, different from a positioning statement, I would say, Kelsey and I always recommend having a mission statement and Mm. starting there and saying, like, right up front, when you're when your clients land on your website, letting them know who you are, what you do, what you specialize in, Mm. and where you're located or your services are located. It's one of the things that we actually see missing most from photography websites. And one of the things that that you know, clients who are looking for photography services, they're not in the day to day like we are, they're not you know, they, they're not in the industry. So when they land on your website, it's because somebody probably referred them or they saw maybe something on Facebook somewhere or they, you know, however they got to that person, they want to know that, Hey, you know, or they, they could search you on Google and make sure, you know, they want to know that this is the person they're not wasting their time first and foremost. So mission statement being that of letting them know who you are, what you do, what type of photography services you specialize in. And also um, your location as well, making sure that that is front and center. So they know that they're in the right place, they're at the right spot. And even if they've compared other photographers that they've looked at maybe the day before, the day before that, they're like, okay, this this person is a potential contender of our, you know, being a wedding photographer for us. Um, but as far as the brand positioning, I, I do always recommend, especially 
probably within the last year, we've we've been educating our photography um, clients to have an experience page or have something that, you know, called like the wedding experience or, you know, whatever their specialty is. And it almost forces them a little bit to think about their differentiators and think about the things that help them stand apart from their competition who may just have a portfolio page or who may just have services listed out and pricing. And it helps you to grab that ideal client a little bit more who values that experience, who who will pay the amount of money that you're you're asking them to pay because they value that experience and the things that go with it. So having some of that information on like an experience page has been really helpful um, for our clients to list out certain things that they do that are a part of the process of working with them mm. and easing some of that apprehension that people have, because usually when they're hiring a wedding photographer, this might be the first, maybe second time that they're hiring a wedding photographer for themselves. Yeah. And so they've never been there. They've never done that. Or same with like newborn photography. They've never, they've never done this before. This, this is just something they were told that they should probably do. And so they're just like exploring what this looks like. So I think easing some of that apprehension, giving them a little sneak peek into what that experience looks like, helps them to visualize that and helps them to see that when they pull up other websites for other people that might be in the area, if they do that, they you kind of have a leg up a little bit because you're you're telling them what makes you different and what that experience is like for them or what that can be like if they were to invest in your services. So, well, and it sounds like a lot of what you're saying there could be summed up with management, proactive management of expectations. You're, yes. you're helping that, that potential client know what it means to work with your business on these various levels. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think from like a, a pricing perspective, so like we usually educate to have like a starting at price just to kind of meet in the middle and have, you know, have people see what your pricing starts at, um, but also telling them why. And like, this is, this is what you're going to get, you know, not necessarily the bulleted items of how many images and all that stuff. They don't, they don't necessarily need that yet. Um, but giving them a little sneak peek into that process. And one of the things that Kelsey actually does when working with our clients in the beginning, before they even start any of the design with her um, or any of the website stuff with me is figuring out what some of this stuff is. So we, we actually send them some worksheets that help them to define what their mission statement is, help yeah. them to define a vision statement, um, certain things that will help them to like purposely sit and dive into this stuff. And we've had so much good feedback from people of going, oh my gosh, I have no idea. I've never done this, but clearly I need to because I've been in business three to five years or more. And I don't even know what sets me apart from my competition. Mm. So it like it purposely makes them sit yep. and look and focus on it and send it back to us so we can look at it and, and give you any feedback we have as well. That's good. And, and I have to add this caveat too. I, you guys didn't ask to come on the podcast so you could promote your business today. I'm doing this for <laughs> you very proactively. And I have to be clear about that with everybody so it doesn't feel like like uh, you're a commercial or something. But I, I actually want to promote what you're offering. So again, for those of you listening, make sure you check out launchyourdaydream.com, reach out to Britt and Kelsey and, and start that process of considering. If you haven't really taken the time to consider what your brand represents, presents. Um, It's really important to do that for the sake, certainly of setting yourself apart and hopefully getting more business. But it in that it makes that process easier too if you're clear about what it is that you're actually reaching for. I I do want to do one thing before we move to the conversation about relationships. And and I know this is going a little bit long. I appreciate you, everyone's patience. And I hope that you're all taking a lot away from this. But um, we talked about both branding position or a, a, a branding statement or brand position 
statement and a mission statement. And just to, to give a little bit more kind of practical clarity, the difference between the two, um, I, I, would, I would suggest that the position statement talks about the what and the who. What is the service that you're offering and who you are offering that to? And then the mission statement talks about the why. So for example, photographer's edit is custom post-production or custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. I just very clearly and succinctly described what service it is that I'm offering and who I'm offering that to. My why or my mission statement is to give photographers more free time to spend with those people they care about and to focus on the activities that will grow their company's bottom line. So I, I've there is a service that I offer, but much of my marketing is going to center around that why, because that's what's going to to kind of tap into the emotions of my potential client. They're gonna they're gonna say, oh my goodness that I do want to spend more time with the important people in my life, with my family, with my friends, my kids, my significant other or otherwise. I do need to spend time on the things that are going to actually grow my business. And so, yes, absolutely. I'm interested in photographers at it because I need, I need these things in my life. Um, and that might be a, a practical example of what the mission statement is. So I just want to throw that out there. I know we could spend multiple episodes on this, but I really appreciate you all lending your expertise and your perspective to the topic of brand position. And I'm sure we'll come back to that again uh, another day. Let's talk about relationships today, because I know that this is what you all were going to to bring to our podcast today. And I want to respect your time as well. Let's let's dive into it. We do talk about relationships quite a bit at the podcast, and, and it, it bears repeating. I mean, this is so, so important on a personal level, a professional level. How would you each just kind of sum up the significance of relationships in your lives, maybe even in just in one sentence? So I would say that relationships are necessary for growth and for survival. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, in personal and business life, I mean, I've told Britt multiple times that I would have quit being a business owner if if I didn't have her. And, and not to say that everyone needs a business partner, but you need those relationships, like somebody that understands what you do and kind of what you're going through as a business owner to help mm. you through, you know, the more stressful of times. Yeah. Yeah. True. How about you, Jeff, Britt? How would you, how would you sum it up? I would say relationships are always changing. Um, so make sure you take care of yourself in every one of them. Ooh, okay. Can you expound on that just a little bit? Yeah, I would say, um, I would say this more goes to like, like a lot of my, my personal relationships. So like, you know, rewind three years ago, four years ago, and I was sitting at a nine to five job surrounded by coworkers. And it was always like, go, go, go talking all the time, this, that, and the other thing. And then I left that and I started working in my home office and yeah. I'm like, well, now what? Like now, now I'm going to talk to the dog. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and she sleeps all day, so she's not good to talk to, but, um, right. but it, it's something where I, I had a very hard time. I still do have a hard time sometimes that like some of those relationships changed because my, my situation has changed. So, you know, being okay with that and accepting that and figuring out which relationships that I want to keep and hold on to and continue to grow. And knowing that if there's some that I have to let go, it's not because of any other reason other than it's just, it's part of life. And, you know, you have to move forward and prioritize the relationships you feel you need to prioritize at that time. So um, I'm still becoming okay with this. There's still people I check in on that I'm like, like, why, why am I always the one to check in? Yeah. You know, like you, I still get that a lot, but it's just, it's part of me too. So 
No, I, I get that though. I just have to accept that, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I totally understand. I, I have a, I have a similar tendency and I am also learning to kind of move on because there've been some pretty significant relationships in my life in the last few years, actually, that I've, mm-hmm. I've had to proactively kind of set aside and move on from because they're just not a reflection of where I am and where I'm going, um, what is ultimately best for me. And, mm-hmm. uh, that's just a reality of life and it has to be okay. It, it just, I mean, right. it, if we, you know, you talked earlier about how depression is, is looking backwards and it's easy to get depressed thinking about these relationships from the past on yeah. one level or another. If we, if we fixate there, the reality is we have a life to live and that's now, and there's no need to waste time thinking about those things that are certainly going to get us down. They are going to depress us and they're not in any way helping us live our best life right now. So it is, it's important to learn to flex and to flow and, and to move on. That's good advice. Um, Kelsey, talk to us a little bit about the most significant relationships um, that, that you would say are uh, the most significant relationships in the context of a photography business. So we have kind of defined a few different categories of relationships that are important, all three of them. So one would, of course, be client relationships. The next would be collaborative relationships. And that's looking at other photographers, um, but also vendors and other people that you can collaborate with, whether it be like a styled shoot or some sort of other project. But the point here is that it's mutually benefiting you both. And then the third type of relationship is community. And this generally ends up being sort of the same types of people as the collaborative relationships, but it's a different type of relationship because this one is more for support and learning from each other and just having people that you can go to or call on who, who understand what you're doing and what you're going through. You know, I mean, a lot of us have great family members and significant others that are amazing support, but we still need the people that really understand the business owner side of thing or the photographer side of things and and really can relate and help you, whether it's because they've been through it before or just because they get what it's like, you know, being a business owner from day to day. So there's those three, three main sort of categories there that we've split it up into your clients, your collaborative relationships and your community. And that couple of points I want to go back and touch on, you mentioned when when it comes to collaboration, the significance of there being mutual benefit. I Mm -hmm. think it's really important to to keep that in mind when we approach other vendors and and being a wedding or having been a wedding photographer myself, this is what I tend to speak on most. Um, But my business partner was a portrait photographer and we saw a similar benefit when it comes to developing relationships with uh, vendors or business owners in town make sure that you go into that relationship with the goal of adding value to that relationship and let that be the primary goal to begin with. Uh, for me personally, I would also include with that just a, a genuine desire to want a an actual friendship with that right. person as well. So now it doesn't come off just kind of uh, what, what's I'm trying to think of the word here, but something that is a disingenuous that is that is fake. I mean, I've I've had too many conversations or listened to too many people talk who are obviously putting on a show who are just kind of doing mm-hmm. a duty, if you will, versus actually trying to invest in developing an actual relationship. And the reality is, right. of course, we're not going to be best friends with everyone. But that genuine desire to connect with somebody and to help somebody, that is going to be obvious to that person that you're having a conversation with, even if it takes a couple of conversations. So going into that relationship with the goal of adding value is really important. The other thing you mentioned, uh, which is interesting, and again, I'm speaking from personal experience here, but the significance of community, because you know the, the reality is you can't go to one relationship 
in your certainly in your personal life as a solution for everything. We may have a significant other or friends or other family members who can in any way relate to being a business owner or being a photographer. And so the reality is we do need the community that the photography community or the entrepreneurial community that we can go and connect with, that we can have conversations with, that we can find inspiration from um, because not one relationship isn't going to, to, to meet all of those needs. And I think that's a, an interesting point to keep in mind, especially for those of you who, who do find it easy. I mean, Britt, you alluded to this earlier, and I know this has been a thing for me too, that you find it easy to kind of be at home and you're like, what in the world? What, what am I doing? I, I feel lonely. Right. I don't know where to go, what to do. I mean, I, I have a business to run. That's great. But I feel so lost at the same time. Uh, the community is so, so important and making an effort to actually connect with those who live a similar life. It can be so, so valuable on multiple levels. But let's talk about those relationships. Let's make this really practical for our listeners. Um, maybe we can break it down, uh, each of those relationships. Let's start with a client relationship. What are things that photographers can do to go about strengthening, proactively strengthening those relationships with their clients? Yeah. Um, so I would say first things first is thinking about, I mean, it, it sounds it sounds kind of easy, but thinking about the client experience and literally putting yourself in your client's shoes from the time that they land on your website or or get a link to find out more about you, or maybe they send you a message on Facebook, whatever it is, however they reach you, what does that process look like? And, and walking through to make sure that it's simple, making sure that it's enjoyable, making sure like seeing where you can improve on that um, on that client experience. I think I, I talked before about how we use um, Dubsado for our own communication with our clients. And, and it just helps us to stay more organized and make that experience, at least from like a, um, you know, even if it's not above and beyond, but just make the the general experience of providing services with a contract and with invoices and, you know, kind of those business related tasks, that stuff can really mean a lot. And the simplicity of making sure that that is all taken care of and they don't have to worry about like, do I owe you anything or do I need to sign anything or what do I need to do? Like easing that apprehension and just letting them know that like, we got this, like you're good. All you need to do is this, this, and this. So I think- um, It's that proactive management of their expectations again, right? Yes, exactly. And just like getting in front of them, talking to them and saying, here's like just that effective communication and just easing some of that apprehension um, as they go into the process. Um, so client experience is one. And then of course, anything else that you can add to that, you know, even better. So I know um, a lot of our photographers send um, gifts to their clients, like once they book like something in the mail. I know for us, we send little gift cards here and there just to kind of keep them motivated, keep them going. Um, and people remember stuff like that. They get excited when they see something in their mail or they see something in their inbox that, they didn't expect that's just a part of the process. So yeah, so that's actually that's actually point two of, of just kind of surprising them and kind of delighting them along the way and making sure that they, they, they feel special as your client. It's not, you know, it's not just going to be like, here's what it is. Here's my photography services. And okay, here's your images. See you later. Like they're really going to remember that process and want to talk to other people about the process. If they know somebody who's getting married, they're going to think about that process of working with you as their wedding photographer and be like, oh my gosh, like they're, they're going to want to talk about that. So making that experience one that is, that's exciting for them and really easy for them is, is all kind of where that magic happens with client relationships. That's good. Okay. So proactively managing the expectation of the clients for the whole experience with mm-hmm. your brand and then attention to details, adding those, those little tidbits. I, I I've told this podcast or this, uh, 
this story, I think, on the podcast before, but one of the things that we used to do with clients that would come over, um, and keep in mind, we live in a relatively small town, Chattanooga, Tennessee, and uh, so small southern town, relatively conservative southern town, and we're not usually exposed to, to all the goings-on of, say, California, for example, or New York. And so one of the things that, that I started doing was ordering glass bottles of Voss water. Have you all had Voss water before? No. Yeah, I, yeah I'm familiar with it. Okay. So I, now some, some of you might say, well, what in the world? I mean, you know, water is water, right? I mean, I genuinely experienced a difference in the flavor of this water. It's really, really incredible. But regardless, most of these clients, if not all of them, that they came over weren't used to the idea that somebody would serve them bottled water in a, in a fancy glass bottle and um, so I would, they would come over for these meetings and I'd pull out these, these glass bottles of Voss water to serve them while they're there meeting with me. And, you know, that's just one example of, of something that we would do in this process of working with a client to kind of wow them a little bit. It, again, it's the attention to detail that helps lend itself to a better experience. That experience truly helps set us apart from other photographers who, again, can pr- produce good images. I mean, these days, we can take a great image with our iPhone or with our Android phone, for that matter. It, it It's the experience that is really truly going to set us apart at the end of the day and um, really focusing on the attention to detail in that regard is important. So that's good. Client relationships. We've touched on that. Let's get to the collaborative relationships. Maybe Kelsey, we can go to you on this. Yeah, of course. So I feel like when we talk about collaborative relationships, we get a lot of questions on the how around that. Like, how do I approach them? Where do I find them? That sort of thing. So um, we wanted to kind of focus here on on how you can find some more collaborative relationships or opportunities for those. So first, I mean, we have to give a shout out to Facebook groups because that's how we found each other. And now look at us. So, um, <laughs> so definitely Facebook groups, there are tons out there and it can get really overwhelming. And I think a lot of us creatives are in tons and tons of groups and, you know, our notifications and our feed gets flooded. So one thing I would recommend is really figuring out the ones that are going to work for you and and weeding out the ones that aren't get rid of, leave the groups that aren't helping you um, so that you can really focus your feed on stuff that's going to be positive. And, and this is, you know, depends from person to person, but read the descriptions. Once you're in, if it's one of the like private ones, pay attention to things like engagement, you know, how often are people posting are, are the posts, you know, what type of posts are they? Are they really full of conversation? You know, is it is it more like feedback or what are you looking for really? And then, you know, it, there's also a lot of groups that will have um, in search of posts, which are really helpful for collaborative relationships. So a lot of, we've seen a lot have specific days designated for these in search of posts and people will you know, post in there something that they're looking for, whether it's a second shooter or somebody to collaborate with on a styled shoot or, you know, something like that. Those are really helpful. That's kind of, that's kind of how we found each other. And also I would recommend off the top one I can think of is, you know, rising tide got so big that you can't really, you can't really make good connections in that group anymore, but they now have the Tuesdays together, which helps you find local connections. Um, and I think most places have one that's generally close. If not, you know, we we refer to things like even trying out like a meetup.com or there's a lot of other sort of like chapters of different groups like that, that you can find, you know, other people with similar interests who you'll be able to collaborate with. And then additionally, 
Um, one really great way for photographers to collaborate, of course, is styled shoots and, and vendor relationships. Um, this, this comes a lot into play for our wedding photographers, um, more so than, you know, we work with a lot of like newborn and family photographers too, but, um, you know, we highly recommend seeking those out. And, and, and like you said, Nate, to, to really focus on how can you benefit each other? Don't just reach out trying to get something from another vendor, but how can you, that's why I love the nature of styled shoots is because everybody's really, everyone's contributing, but everyone's also getting something great from it that, you know, they wouldn't have otherwise. So I really love those. Um, but then also, you know, pay attention whether you're the one organizing the styled shoot or you're just participating in it, pay attention to the types of people that are involved and make sure it's people that you want to be surrounding yourself Mm. with and collaborating with. Yeah. You know, like you might know already if it's like, I don't know, everybody has different in the, in your own area, there might be talk of, you know, you know who people are, there might be some to stay away from. There might be some really great ones. You might've had a bad experience with somebody. If that's the case, that's not the collaboration for you. You really want to make sure that, that these are going to be positively affecting you and your business. So true. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the idea that we associate with brands who are a good reflection, a positive reflection on our brand, it's really important to consider. Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, yes. yeah, we want to enjoy working with them, but if they're going to be, if, if we're going to be talking about them and then, and then a client or a potential client ends up using them, they have a bad experience that can come back and, and reflect poorly on exactly. us as well. Um, I do like the idea of, of a styled shoot and that, as you said, it's, it's mutually beneficial to everyone involved. Everybody walks away with something of value for their business. And I think that's a, a really, really great idea. Let's go to the third relationship, community. Britt, maybe we can go back to you. Talk to us a little bit about how we can proactively develop stronger relationships in community. Yeah, I think, um, you know, some of these things we, we've we chatted about a little bit already, but local meetups and, you know, like you said, Nate, getting off the couch and actually going. This is actually something I struggle with personally. I'm, I'm very much an introvert. I'm very much like I'm good at home. And, you know, if I only breathe the air that I go to, you know, pick up my kid from school and come home and I'm good. And, you know, like, but then I started realizing that I I need those in-person local people here. Like, yeah. it's all great. And like, you know, to have these relationships with people online, but I am kind of craving that in person, just like just sit down and chat. And it actually was kind of triggered by a conversation we had with a photographer last week who is so involved. And she was like, I wasn't getting what I wanted from these, these local meetups that Hmm. other people put together. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to put together my own and I'm going to reach out to a couple people that, you know, that I love working with and chatting with and just see if like, everybody just can just come to dinner and just kind of hang out. So we do it once a month. Yeah. Everybody just comes and hopefully we can get a date that works for everybody. But if not, you know, we still keep those connections. So like hearing that and hearing it in such a positive perspective, yep. rather than my mindset, which was like, Oh gosh, I have to go like, like communicate with other people in person, which is like, you know, it's, it's not hard for me, but if I don't know anybody and you know, I just, I just don't feel comfortable. And so if I, what I thought about it from her perspective and heard like these like great, amazing ways that like her perspective on it, I was like, Oh my gosh, that's exactly what I need. So having those local meetups and and communicating and making sure that people know that it's the meetup for them, you know, if you're the one that's organizing it. Um, I think is really, really important. And then I would say other workshops and networking events, kind of going back to the how here as well to build those community community relationships of 
having workshops and networking events, um, being hands-on and learning something new and, you know, just kind of collaborating with other business owners from just a learning perspective. And everybody's walking into a workshop not really having a full understanding of what is about to what they're about to be taught. Um, it was something that Kelsey and I really learned last year. We were speakers at a workshop in Chicago and being able to see some of these photographers and um, virtual assistants and artists and other business owners walk into this room and all kind of have an idea of what branding is. But then when we sat down with them and we were working like hands on with them, it was so cool to see the different perspectives of experience and things like that. And it allowed everybody to be vulnerable. And by the end of when everybody was walking out, people that didn't even know each other at first were like exchanging business cards and like writing down information Mm. about each other and staying in touch. And it was just, it was so cool to kind of see the start to finish from from the outside perspective. You mentioned being vulnerable. I mean, that that takes, again, a proactive effort, right? We have to be willing yeah. to go there. If we're going to have really good relationships, we have to be willing to be open. Yes. Um, and, and I'm thinking to a networking event that I went to a little while back, and, and there was somebody there. I, mean, I mentioned earlier this idea of, somebody, of, of hearing someone, the tone of someone's voice, and you know immediately that it's fake. They're, they're just kind of doing their job of, of having a yes. conversation for the sake of trying to make a, a connection uh, for their business. But it's, it's not, there's not a genuine desire there to actually connect. If we want real connection, we have to be willing to be open and vulnerable. And, and I'll add to this, too, because, Britt, you kind of alluded to this. You know, I, I know that a lot of photographers in our community struggle with that that introverted tendency, and and um, and I, I've this is something that I've kind of worked through and dealt with uh, in past years as well. Take a little bit of time, set aside some time to to explore maybe where that comes from, because whereas a, a lot of our um, or at least some of our behavior may be kind of ingrained in our DNA, if you will. A lot of it's also learned. And so understanding why it is that we're apprehensive connecting with somebody that we don't know or being in larger groups of people, understanding where that comes from psychologically, emotionally is really, really important. And mm-hmm. the reality is that that so-called introverted tendency may just be a learned behavior that we can actually address to an extent and and then we'll be more empowered and enabled as we go and continue to develop our businesses through community and connection um, I, I think that's really important to note. I, I have to respect you all this time. I know that we've gone over. I really appreciate you making time for the podcast today. This has been a, a, an episode just absolutely loaded with information. I'm excited to put it out there. Just in closing, if you will, share where our listeners, again, can find you on social media and your website as well. Yeah, of course. Our website is launchyourdaydream.com. And then I would say as far as social media, follow us on Instagram at launchyourdaydream. And we have a great Facebook group for photographers. It's called WTF is Branding. And um, in there, we we share a lot of branding and business tips. Um, There's a lot of connection in there. We do a lot of Facebook lives and things like that. Again, just packed full of fun information. So we would love to have you guys in there. That's great. Thank you so much, Britt and Kelsey, both for making time for the Boca podcast today. This has been truly wonderful. Thank, Thank you, you so much. It's great. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. We let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app. And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com.